0: phenomenal song what a phenomenal prayer that's really what that song is is it's a confession of our dependency on him you know that i love that song listen to that song many many times a day i love that song it's become one of my new faves you got a fave that's one of my new faves right there i love that song let's just pray god we love you today We just welcome you with praise today, God. We know that we're two or three come together. God, we know that you're right there in the very middle, Lord, that you are here with us, that your presence is here. And God, we're excited about that today because we need your presence. And we want more of your presence. God, I thank you for every person that's either watching online or, Lord, here in Gulf Breeze or in Navarre or in Blackwater. God we want you to speak to us today. And we ask that you would not only speak to us, God, we ask that you would stir us. And we ask you not only stir us, God, but we ask that you would change us to be more like you. That's our our prayer today. God, I pray for people, Lord who are here today for the first time. Maybe people here that that they don't understand you. They don't get. They they they, they don't believe yet, God. I pray today would be their day. God, I pray you'd open their eyes to who you are and to the love that you have for them. And we ask you to draw people to you today, Holy Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Woo! May God is doing some amazing things. I just want to brag on him real quick. Paul in the New Testament said it like this. God forbid that I should glory or boast. Except for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you what God is doing. Because if you don't know what God's doing, then you're, you're going to stumble all over yourselves. You, you, if there's no vision, you're going to perish. Let me tell you what God's doing. God's doing incredible, incredible things. Last week, there were 1,200 people watching online. All over the place. 1,200 people. And I want you to pray with me. My next, my next prayer is, God, take us to 5,000. That's what I'm praying for, and then after 5,000, Lord, take us to 50,000, and then after 50,000, take us to 5 million, and then after 5 million, take us to 50 million. That's the prayer that I've been praying. If you want to pray and join with your pastor, Um, I mean, we live in a day and age where technology is available, and I believe it is for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to get the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so why not pray big? Why not believe God big? That's where I'm at today. Last week, Navarre got to be there. We broadcast from Navarre, first time ever, and Navarre was on fire. They were on fire, man. We had 600 people, over 600 people in Navarre last week. Just that one campus, second week in a row, Navarre had more people than Golf Breeze. So how about that, Navarre, just calling them out right there, right? Little competition, not a bad thing, right? That's right. So you got to, I see some empty seats, man. Jesus can't change an empty seat. So y'all got to invite your friends. Let's fill every chair, every gathering, every Sunday, every month of the year. Are y'all with me? That's where we're at. Um, I love that. But I, I love in one gathering alone, one gathering alone, how many people, how many hands were raised? I want to say it was 16 just in Navarre, one gathering, 16 people gave their life to Christ. How about that? Can we just boast in that? We just say, yay, God, in that? So today, we actually, uh, we actually are going to land the plane on the series we started in January. We planned it out to go these two months. What a better series to kick off with than talking about dreams. Because the truth is, God wants you to dream again. God wants you to dream again. Some of us, life has been too hard, and, and it's kept us from dreaming again. Some of us, we've only, we've only had our dreams. We've settled too low, and God says, man, I got dreams for you. My dreams are way bigger. My dreams are way greater. My dreams are way higher than your dreams could ever be. And, and we talked about in this series, just to refresh, I definitely got to refresh, because we had Super Bowl Sunday, right? Then last week, with Toto, hello, was that not amazing? That was amazing. And I just want to, uh, I want to brag on you guys for your generosity. I think we uh, sponsored, was it 29 kids? Is that what I heard? 29 kids were sponsored last week. You want to talk about what God is doing? Um, real, real religion is this, that we take care of the fatherless and the widows and their affliction. And that's what y'all did last week. And then you gave like a $2,000 love offering to a toto, So that was amazing. But... Uh, just a quick refresher in the series we've been talking about that that man puts it like this if you can believe it you can achieve it if you can believe it you can achieve it but the gospel flips it upside down the gospel says if if you will just receive it you can achieve it if we will receive what god has for us in order to receive what god has for us we got to be a place in a place of surrender that's the secret to the Christian life. If you're a Christian and you're miserable, it's because you've not yet surrendered to the power of the Spirit of God and to King Jesus. I figured you'd get a little quiet there. I planned for that moment. So let me say it again. A devil didn't like one. That one. I'm going to give him a one-two. Let me tell you something. If you are a Christian and your life is miserable right now, the secret to the sauce is surrender. You have yet to come into the place of surrender. And all you got to do is just give up. All you got to do is give up. You just got to, I mean, you know, hands up. That's a universal sign. Doesn't matter what language you speak. You're in another country. You get pulled over. (laughs) Guns are drawn. Right, You just do this. I remember when I was in college, I was delivering. I was working for Nebraska Prime Meats off of Old Palafox. This would have been 1995. 1995, Pensacola I had a refrigerator truck. It was filled with steaks. And uh, I was going to Eglin Air Force Base, and I was delivering, and I was lost. Back then, <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> we, we didn't have GPS. We didn't have Siri. Who's Siri? I mean, who's Siri? We, we didn't have any of that. We had Maps. That's what we had. We had maps, and I had this real cool little thing. looked like the, a package of dental floss. It was called, get ready, young people, a beeper. A beeper, and if people wanted you, you would wear it on your belt clip, and it would buzz, and then you'd run to what's called a landline. I know you don't know what that is yet, but it had this long, crazy thing called a cord attached to the wall, and if you were rich, you had an extra-long cord. You can walk around the house. You can walk into the bedroom from the living room. Uh, and, man, and so I'm, I'm there at Eglin Air Force Base, and I'm lost. I don't know where I am. And all of a sudden, I see these guys. They're loading. They're loading a helicopter. Airplane one. I can't remember. It's probably airplane. They were loading. And... Uh, And so I'm in this box truck, Nebraska Prime Meats. So what do I do? I just pull up. What do you do when you got a question? You ask somebody. I get out of the car, and there's a line. I didn't see the line, but I'm getting ready to step across that line. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, man, it was like Navy SEALs, Air Force. I mean, I'm telling you, man, Special Forces. It's like they dropped in out of heaven. All of a sudden, I mean, these machine guns were drawn. They said, don't take another step. That's what really happened. I was just like, you know what I did? <laughs> I just tried to deliver some steaks. Y'all want a steak? Because they're free. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. They are free today. We just My beeper just went off, and we got a special going on. I mean, right? This is a universal sign, and it is surrender. Some of your marriages are not where they need to be, and it's because you haven't surrendered to God. Some of your families are going through... Through things and interpersonal relationship struggles because you haven't surrendered. So surrender is a deal. And in this series, here's the point. The point is that God's dreams are bigger than our dreams. And if you'll surrender, you know what? You will get to live out the dreams that God has for you. And you'll realize that those were the dreams inside of you all along. In this series, I've asked the question. And the question is this. What would someone like you and me, what would they do? I mean, someone just like you and me, facing our problems, facing our circumstances, facing our opportunities, what would someone just like you and me do who was absolutely confident that God was with them? What would they do that's been the question throughout this series. What would they do? so we've been asking that we've been talking about joseph's couple of Joseph's in the Bible, Joseph in the New Testament, you remember him and Mary, Mary gave birth to Jesus. This is not that Joseph. We're in the Old Testament. We're in the first book. If you open up a Bible, we're in that book, the book of Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. And we're in this book, and we're reading about this guy, Joseph. And Joseph, I mean, he, he had some great genes. I mean, you had Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. So Father Abraham and Isaac, that was his son, and then Jacob and Jacob had twelve sons, one of them was Joseph. that's the Joseph that we 're talking about today and And so just a little little uh, backdrop real quick. Joseph is favored. Uh, his father uh, is um, playing favorites. I guess you could say he he favors his son Joseph above all the others. Joseph was his favorite son at that point from his favorite wife. His wife uh, couldn't couldn't give birth. She was beautiful. It teaches us that with a burden comes a blessing. You may have a burden right now, but open your eyes because you also got blessings. And sometimes we look at people with all the blessings and we look at them. But the truth is they're also carrying some of the biggest burdens we know nothing about. It it goes together. It runs parallel, blessings and burdens. And so finally she gives birth and she has Joseph. And oh gosh, uh, um, does Jacob love Joseph and his brothers are jealous, and Jacob gives them a coat, and that coat meant many things. It meant, number one, who's your daddy? Because <laughs> you, you know I love you, and your other brothers didn't get one of those, and you're not the oldest. But it meant that Joseph was set apart. And do you know as a Jesus follower that you've been set apart? Yeah, do you know that? The, the word, uh, the doctrinal word, if you want to get into to that, the theological word is sanctification. When, when we come to Jesus, we're set apart. We're favored. We're well favored. In fact, David said that the favor of God keeps my enemies from defeating me. In other words, the favor of God on my life keeps my enemies at bay. Are you with me? So something about favor. Someone say favor. Turn to the person beside you. Let's go, Navarre. Let's go, Blackwater. Come on, you online? Pretend someone's there. Turn to someone. Maybe you're just on an airplane right now. Go ahead and talk to somebody. Turn to someone beside you and say favor ain't fair. Tell him I got it. Tell them you need it. Need it. That's it. Favor ain't fair. And, and Joseph is favored, and he knows that. But this cope means that, Joseph, you are one day going to rule over your brothers. And then, then, then God gives Joseph these dreams. And the dreams are real simple. The dreams are that, that his family bow down to him. His brothers do. And then not only his brothers, but then like everybody in the world bows down. Have you ever had that dream? Me neither. (laughs) I never had that dream. That's a dream. And imagine young Joseph going around. He's 16. He's cool. He's got the new kicks. He's talking, man. He's like, yo, yo, listen, this is what's up. I had this dream last night. It's crazy. You're going to be bowing down to moi. And he's young. And they're like, what? And so all of a sudden, their jealousy turns to envy and envy turns to hatred And hatred can turn to murder. And so they hold it in their heart. And then he has another dream. He tells the man, I had this dream. And this time his father rebukes him. He says, what do you think? You think even I'm going to bow down to you, your mother and I? Like, boy, you better get it together. You ever told your kids that? Boy, you better get it together. Uh Uh-huh. If you haven't, you don't have kids. <laughs> you just wait. Your day's coming. <laughs> some of you some of your grandparents out there, <laughs> you, you know, you're waiting for mom and dad to leave. And you say, boy, you better get it together. Right? Yeah. And so sure enough, man, and now we'll fast forward through the story, just a little recap. What happens? Um, they take Joseph, and they strip him of that coat, and they destroy that coat right in front of him. Then they throw him in a pit, and they They're talking about how they're going to kill him. Let me kill him. No, I want to kill him. Let me kill him. I'm going to choke him. Let's just stone him. I mean, they're talking. They're talking. And he is alone. He's isolated. He's afraid. He's probably naked. And he's in a pit. And it's not the first time he'll be in a pit. You've been in a pit. You might be in a pit right now. And if you've never been in a pit, get ready. Because... There's a pit in your future. And we talked about Joseph in this pit. A couple of things that we learned. Number one, we learned, uh, I think the first message, we learned that our dream is connected to our destiny. And so these dreams he's having, but now the son doesn't look like his dream is going to come true. He's in a pit. And when you're in a pit, what do you want to do? You want to quit. So next week, the next message we talked about don't quit in the pit. So the first one was about truth, that our dream is connected to our destiny. That's truth. But don't quit. And the pit was all about the trials, that God will send trials your way and my way. And he doesn't do that to kill us. He does that to make us stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right? Some of you all have been through that. Some of you walked through a divorce that you never planned on. Some of you went through cancer and came out on the other side. Some of you walked through losing a loved one, whether it was a spouse or a child. And you were in that pit. But it's in that pit we realize that God is like, don't you dare quit in the pit. Some of you were passed with that promotion. And you have worked so hard, you beat everyone else to the office. You left after everyone else. Left, I mean, you got the early, you left late, you worked so hard, you just knew that promotion was going to come through. But what do you do when life seems to spin out of control? What do you do when it doesn't go as planned? Well, that's where Joseph is, and his brothers throw him, and long story short, they end up selling him. They sell him sell him to these guys called Ishmaelites, and they take him to Egypt, and they sell him, and he becomes a slave, and he's a slave, and he's scrubbing floors. The Bible says he's very muscular. The Bible tells us that he's very handsome, and so his boss, his boss, who was a big man on campus, had a beautiful wife, and Potiphar was living the life, and one day, Jake. Uh, Joseph is working and she comes on to him and she does it day after day after day. And then one day, one day she frames him. She literally traps him, grabs his garment and he says, I cannot do this. Your husband is number two in the country. He's like given me everything, put me in charge over everything that there is. He trusts me. And then Joseph says this, how can I, how, how can I do this great wickedness, this great sin Against you. Nope, against your husband. Nope, he says against God. You know what he knew? He knew that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding both the evil and the good. And he knew that God keeps score. And he knew that that though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though it looks like God is coming against me, I know God isn't against me because he already told me. But what's interesting is Joseph didn't have the Bible. What's interesting is Joseph didn't have Christian podcasts. Joseph didn't have Christian music back then. Joseph didn't have a church to go to like this back then. But you know what he did have? He had a relationship with the Lord. He knew God. He knew the one in whom he put his trust in. And trust is a powerful thing. And so what did he do? He just kept doing what anyone would do. That was absolutely confident that God was with him. That's what Joseph did. He just did whatever. You know what he did? He kept taking the high road. And he said, No, I'm not going to do it. And then he's framed for rape. And he's thrown into a dungeon, and Potiphar gets his hands on him, no doubt, roughs him up. No doubt, Joseph is there, probably naked and afraid. He's got black eyes, sore ribs, and an empty stomach. And he's in this prison. And he could have got angry at God. I've done that before. You've probably been there before. When you're praying and it's like, where are you, God? It's almost like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling and you wonder. But you know what? Joseph doesn't do this. It's not that he didn't have doubts, because I'm sure he did. But Joseph just continues to just keep being faithful. That's, that's, that's all he knows. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. So so we talked about uh, in the the time when he's approached, we talked about running from sexual sin. that, That sexual sin is still sin. And it doesn't matter which card. It doesn't matter. If you're married and you have sex with someone else, it's still sin. Let me say that again. If you're married to somebody and you're having sex on the side with someone else, it's still sin. I'll take it a step further and say, and if you're married to someone and, and you haven't touched her, you haven't touched him, but in your heart you've already done it, Jesus says you might, like you're already guilty. Yeah, right. You with me? So if you're not married and you're having sex, it's still sexual sin. Right. It's still sexual sin. All kinds of sexual sin. And, and scripture tells us, run from sexual sin. Run from it. Flee. In other words, run for your life. There are people here today, you're facing the greatest temptation you've faced because there's someone trying to get you. There's someone telling you that your life could be better. And, and I'm telling you, the enemy would definitely do it. Say, man, the grass is definitely greener over here. You know what? That's a lie. The devil's a liar. The grass is greener where you water it. That's where the grass is greener. He's like, well, she doesn't love me. Well, love her. He doesn't love me. Well, love him. And this sexual sin, man, it is, it is huge. And I'm not going to preach a message on that. I'm just telling you, I know that it's, it's all over the place. And if we're not careful, we can just think, like, ah, oh, God. Joseph could have thought the same thing. He's away from his family. He could have done it, got away with it. He had thought, man, surely, God, this is my break. This is my break, God. I mean, my life's just been so hard. Surely you reward me. Like, I've heard some Christians talk like that they're saying, like, I think God wants me to do this. I'm like, no. Read the Bible. The Bible says run. God's more interested in your holiness than your happiness. I just deserve to be happy. But you said I do forever till death do us part. God will still bless people that live According to his word. Do you hear me today? Listen, I'm telling you, that word is powerful. And when you will surrender to the word of God, you'll surrender to the will of God, you'll surrender to the ways of God, and you'll get the favor of God. Everyone wants the favor, not everyone's willing to obey. It's about obedience. And so we saw that. So run from sexual sin. We talked about temptation. And then the week after that, week four, we talked about bloom where you're planted. And let patience bring you through the process. And that was testing. And that's where we ended up. Man, we ended up in in, uh, chapter 40, 39, and then into 40. And so here's the deal. Now he's in the dungeon, and he's there. He's there for a long time, and he interprets some dreams, and he feels really good about it because these guys got summoned by Pharaoh. And he's like, please don't forget me. Remember me. Tell Pharaoh what happened. Please. And they forget him. We talked about what do you do when people let you down? What do you do? And you know what Joseph does? Joseph just does what anyone would do who is absolutely confident that God's with him. That's what Joseph did. He just kept being faithful. Just kept being faithful right where he was. He just kept being faithful. He didn't hold a grudge. Let me tell you something about grudges and offenses. If you have them, you're not right with God. If you're holding a grudge against someone, you're not right with God. You're not. The Bible says if you've got an issue with someone, go to them and talk to them. <gasps> but that would require courage. I'd rather talk about them. I'd rather tell everybody else my problem with them. Well, you need to pick up that Bible. Blow the dust off. Open it up and become obedient. Are you with me? I'm trying to help you today. I know this is strong, but it's strong for a reason. Because the devil's got so many of us twisted and bound. Don't you just want to be free? Don't you just want to be free? Aren't you just tired of being bound? You can be free today. Mm. So sure enough, he doesn't hold a grudge. He could against his brothers. His brothers His brothers are the ones that did this to him. Ah, hmm, we'll revisit that. And so what happens, he's in there, he's forgotten about. And then one day, one day, everything turns over. And Pharaoh summons him. And Pharaoh had these dreams, and he had these dreams. And the butler, who Joseph had interpreted his dream in prison, said, Oh, forgive me, I've sinned, Pharaoh. I just am reminded of my failure. There's a guy in prison, he told me about my dream it happened just like he said the baker you (laughs) it happened just like he he said you you remember him you kind of went (sighs) yep it came true you need to talk to him pharaoh summons him and everyone else in his kingdom and all the land couldn't interpret the dream and when joseph has the opportunity to stand in the place of the line lights stand in the place of attention stand with a microphone you know what he says he says it's not me but god God has the ability. God can interpret dreams. What do you do when everyone's looking at you and saying, you are awesome? Let's just be reflectors of the glory of God, not collectors. Let's be reflectors of the glory of God. And everything changes in a moment, and Pharaoh says, you are. Yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll, yep, that's the dreams. Okay, I'm going to put you in charge because you just told me a whole plan. I mean, anyone, anyone can, uh, you know, steer the ship, but it takes a real leader. What is that, the law of navigation, John Maxwell? It takes a real leader to chart the course. So so here's the keys to the kingdom. You're number two. Uh, you're vice uh, president. You're the governor now. You're number two. I, only I am above you. Everyone else below you. And and then he blessed them with all this stuff. And now Joseph goes into this plan, and he does it just like he says. And Pharaoh says, everyone do, do just exactly as he says. And sure enough, he begins storing up all this grain So that they can make it. Because a crazy famine came into the land. And here's where we pick up this crazy story. You ought to read your Bibles. You really should. In order to do that, you have to prioritize it. This isn't a shame on you. It's a shame off you. The devil has beaten so many of us up for so long about you. You just, you know, let me tell you something. Don't listen to him. Just prioritize reading your Bible and get a plan. Get a place And get a plan. Set an appointment and don't let anyone or anything take you away from your appointment with God. I believe with all my heart that Joseph, while he was in prison, I believe he was praying. When he was in prison, I believe he was talking to God. When he was in prison, I believe he was declaring that the Lord is good. I believe that's what he was doing. When you declare God's favor over your situation, you know what happens? You find your situation change. When you raise your praise, you find all of a sudden that your praise has the ability, potential, to break the chains when you do that. So don't make much out of Goliath. David didn't do it. David, One time, David never said, you are a huge, huge. I mean, he never said, like, like, you beast mode. He never once said, you're a giant. He never said that. You know what he did? He said truth. He never glorified Goliath, and so it is in our lives when we 're faced with something that seems bigger than us don't don't dwell on your situation, don't magnify your situation, magnify your savior. Amen. Give God the glory, speak of God, don't speak about don't talk about your situation. talk to the one who can change your situation. I didn't think y'all heard me a second ago. I said, don't talk about your situation. Talk to the the Savior that can change your situation. Talk about how good he is. Talk about how faithful he is. Talk about how nothing has mastery over King Jesus. Nothing is greater or bigger than God. Don't you know that's what Joseph did? And now all of a sudden, here's where we expedite uh, the story. I love this. So here's Joseph. He is ruler of Egypt. And that famine not only spread in Egypt, but it spread 500 miles away. It spread all the way to Canaan, where his family was, about 500 miles away. And now his father, Jacob, tells his brothers to go get some grain. If you're following along, we're in Genesis 42, verse 1. When Jacob. When Jacob heard that the grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? Don't you love that? I'm like, why are you standing here looking at each other? He said, I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we will die. So Joseph's, you're not going to have these verses on the screen. So Joseph's 10 older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. But. Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with him for fear that harm might come to him. So, Jacob, so Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with the others to buy food. For the famine was in Canaan as well. Verse 6. Since Joseph, were, since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him and their faces to the ground. What? What? What just happened? Dream number one just happened. When they arrived, they bowed to Joseph. They bowed. They bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Then Joseph said, yeah, I knew I was right. I told you. What up? It's me, Joseph. Remember? No, no, he doesn't do any of that. Sometimes they're just just, uh, some things you got to hold in your heart for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it comes to dreams and visions that God gives you. Don't go around telling the dream and vision too quickly. You know why? Because of naysayers. Not everyone can handle the dream God gave you. That's why God didn't give it to them. So keep your dreams near to you. Keep them close to you. Talk to God about your dreams. The law of timing right there. So he doesn't pride. Now remember before he was young and he was just like, oh yeah. You're gonna, he doesn't do it. What's happened in prison? God was working on him. We're on the potter's wheel. Sometimes it feels like we're just spinning and spinning and spinning, but you know what? Well, we're spinning and spinning and spinning. God's got his hand on us, and God is molding us, and God is making us better. He's changing us and making us different, so we'll be more like him. And now, all of a sudden, Joseph isn't 17 anymore, now, all of a sudden, Joseph's like 40. And Joseph is a little bit more mature and a little bit closer to God. So he doesn't have let his pride get away from him. Here it is. Joseph Joseph recognized his brothers instantly. But he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? He demanded. They said from the land of Canaan. They said we've come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. And he said to them, now I'm going to pick up the story from them. He said, you're spies. You're spies. And they're like, no, we're hungry. And he's like, you're spies. And he said, you know what? You're going to go to prison. So he put him in prison for three days. And then he said this. He asked him a couple questions. He wanted to find out how his father was, if he was still alive. They answered his questions. They said, yes, our father's still alive. He wanted to find out about his youngest brother from his mother. Wanted to find out about Benjamin, if he was alive and doing well. And sure enough, they said, yes, he's alive. So after three days in prison, he comes to him and he says, I promise you, I promise you I'm a God fearing man. We're going to leave one of the one of you here. There's 10 brothers, 12 total, 12 tribes. 12 brothers, but Benjamin was back with Jacob, and Joseph was in Egypt. There's ten that were sent. And now Joseph says, I'm gonna keep one of you here. You go home and bring back your youngest brother, Benjamin. And I promise you, I'm a God fearing man. Let your yay be yea. Let your yes be yes. Listen, be honest. What you say, do what you say. He said, I promise you I'm a God fearing man. He says, If you'll bring your youngest brother back, he says, I'll release this brother, which was Simeon, and he held him in prison. And he says, we'll go ahead, we'll send you with grain. So he packed, he told told, uh, some of the employees, he said, load those bags with grain and then put the money that they paid for it at the top of their sack. And sure enough, they loaded the donkeys and they took off and they stopped to sleep that night. When they stopped, one of them, not all of them, one of them opened their bag of grain. Why? Because they were hungry. Opened it up and there was the money and they... Holy cow. And everyone was filled with fear. Then they wake up next morning. They make it back to Canaan. They tell their father everything that has happened. And he's like, you're killing me. You're killing me. He says, everything is going wrong. You ever feel like that in your life? Like everything is spinning out of control. Everything's going wrong. He's like, why is this happening to me? You've you've been there before. He's like, first I lost. I lost Joseph. And now Simeon is in Egypt, 500 miles away. And you're trying trying to take Benjamin? No way. No way in the world. He's not going with you. And so after all of that talk, they all opened up their grain. And the, the scripture tells us that all their money was returned. And they were all, including Jacob the father, were all filled with fear. And so they're like, Dad, well, we got to go back. we got to go back. He's like, absolutely not. You're not going to do it. Reuben. Reuben was the one that when Joseph was thrown into the the pit, they were going to kill him. Reuben was the one that spoke up and said, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in the pit. We'll just leave him there to die. That way we don't have to kill him. Scripture tells us that secretly in his heart he was planning on going back and rescuing him. And in fact, when he found out that Judah, we'll hear from Judah in just a second, Judah, who came up with the idea, hey, let's sell them. Here comes Ishmaelites. Let's not kill them. Let's at least get some money out of it. It's funny because everything, everything that they did to Joseph, Joseph is almost just bringing them right back through it. It's like God is working on their conscience. Can I tell you this? God knows how to allow you and I to get back in touch with our conscience. Everything. I wish I had more time to go into detail on this. But money, they sold him. Now all of a sudden, they got a money problem. Alone, Joseph in the pit. There's a brother back in Egypt alone. He's in prison, just like Joseph had been. Well, they're getting hungry. And, and Jacob says to Reuben, He's Reuben says, Dad, I promise you, you can kill my sons if I don't bring Benjamin back. Let us go. And he says, no way. I'm not doing it. Well, time went on. They got incredibly hungry, and literally, literally, they're beginning to starve, and Jacob says, what are we going to do? And the oldest brother speaks up. And Judah says, we're not going back. He said, if we come back, he'll kill us. We won't make it out alive of Egypt. We're not going back without Benjamin. That man was angry. That man told us, you better bring him back. or you, I prom- He's like, we got to bring him back. And so finally, Jacob relents. Judah says, I give you my word. You can have my life. You can take my life if I don't bring him back. I'm putting my life on the line. So sure enough, they come back as they're approaching Joseph sees that they're coming. And when Joseph sees that they're coming, he goes to the head of his house and he says, I want a feast prepared. I'm going to feed him in my house. And so sure enough, they get there. Now, can't you imagine they're all afraid? Why? Because the last time they'd been there, they gave their money. And then when they got home, they found their money was all returned. And so, man, they're preparing their speech and they get there and the head of the household, greets them. And they're like, we got to tell you, We, we got to tell you. We got to tell you right now, like this, it must have been a mistake, but we brought back double the money. And we have some gifts for Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph. So sure enough, he says, relax, relax, come on in. And Joseph, who knows these are his brothers, they have no clue, this is Joseph. By the way, the Egyptians and the Hebrews, they didn't get along. The Egyptians looked down on shepherds. They would not even eat at a table with them. So Joseph, knowing that, Joseph had a couple of tables. He had his Egyptian servants over here. He had all his brothers here. And what's interesting is he lined them up from oldest to youngest. And then he gave Benjamin five times the food. I mean, he got five times the spaghetti, five times the meatballs, and five times the garlic bread. That's what jo- That's what Joseph blessed his youngest brother with. Favor. You remember this? And then all of a sudden, I'm telling you, you gotta read your Bible. You gotta pick it up. You gotta read it. And then Joseph, they're they're afraid. They're like, He's gonna, he's gonna kill us. He's invited us to his home, he's gonna kill us. And Joseph says, No, 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 nope, nope. And scripture tells us that Joseph is just heartbroken for his brothers. Why? Because he loves them. Question for you. Do you love the people that have done you wrong? Jesus said anyone can pray for a friend, but I'm telling you, pray for your enemies. You know what happens in this story? Joseph loads all the grain up, and he actually gives them more than that. He blesses them with other gifts. But he tells one of his servants, he tells them, take my my silver cup. And put it in Benjamin's sack. Return all the money. And so sure enough, the brothers are coming back. They got their other brother out of jail. They're bringing Benjamin back. They're going on the donkey. Not too fast, but they're moving. They're moving. It's like when we're stuck in traffic. They're moving slowly. But they're moving back. And then all of a sudden, Joseph says, go now. And he releases some warriors and they tracked them down and they said, how could you do this? How could you do this? The governor has lavished you. How could you do this? One of you, one of you have stolen an item from his house. You've taken his cup in which he uses to predict the future. And they said, what are you talking about? You are crazy. And in fact, Judas speaks up. If I remember story, story correctly. Judas speaks up and he says, I promise you this. No one here did that. I promise you. I was watching all. N- no one did. You, you're crazy. You're talking crazy now. He said, I, I'll tell you what. If, if there's the cup in our sack, whoever sack it is, you can take him and kill him right away. You know what they did? They opened up all the sacks, and there was the money. And they're like, oh, not again. And they go from the oldest to the youngest. And when they finally get to the youngest, you're talking about a drama. That story got some drama in, in it, doesn't it? They open up Benjamin's sack. There's the cup, and Scripture says that they all ripped their clothes. They wept, and now they're headed back to Egypt. And this is where this part of the story is amazing. They come in, and Judah. I don't have time to read the story. If you want to read it, I'll tell you. You ought to go to. Um, you ought to go to chapter forty-three. And read this in verses nineteen through twenty-three, and, and then following verses twenty-six and thirty-one into uh, chapter forty-five, one through twenty. What happens is is Judah, the one who told his dad, "I'll put my I promise you." He speaks up in front of Joseph, and he tells him, Be- "Before you do anything to us, can I please tell you the story?" And he begins to tell that there were twelve brothers. And one of them is dead. And then he goes to tell about the father. Now, the son, when they didn't care about their father before, he's seeing that they're caring about their father and they're caring about the brother, the new favored one. And he's seeing that God has changed their heart. And Judah begins to go on and he says, please, 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 please. And he tells him the story. And this is what happened. He goes and he tells him the entire story. And we told our father and he wouldn't let us bring him. We said, we're going to die. We got to do it. He says, okay, do it. And here we are. And he, he tells him the whole story. And Joseph can't take it any longer. And Joseph says, get out. He tells all the Egyptians in the room to get out. And he literally, at one point, he runs out of the room crying. He comes back in. But at this moment, he literally loses it and he breaks down weeping and he says, It's me. It's your brother Joseph. Wouldn't you have liked to have been a fly on that wall? <laughs> I mean if they weren't afraid <laughs> if they hadn't wet themselves, they just did in that moment. They're like Oh crap. We thought it can get any worse. What have we done? And he says, listen, 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 y'all. You did this to me. You did this to me. But you don't need to be afraid. What would someone do in that position when now they have the control? And they have the authority and they have the power. What would they do if they were confident that God was with them? You know what they do? They do what Joseph did. They give mercy and grace. They wouldn't have to manipulate a situation. You know, one of the takeaways I think this teaches us is sometimes people in our life who hurt us the most, the way God has it planned, they end up needing us the most. What I'm telling you is the people in your life that have hurt you the most, God loves to... Write the story where before it's all over, they're the ones needing you the most. And what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Maybe your parents mistreated you. Maybe they were abusive to you. Maybe dad never showed up at any of your games. Maybe he called you all kinds of nasty things. And now they're older and they need you to take care of them. What would someone like that in your circumstances do? Who is absolutely confident that God was with him? What you do? You'd you'd be like Joseph and just keep being faithful. You'd take the high road. You'd extend mercy and grace. That business partner who lied and then stole and then lied again. It's funny how God will bring them back into the picture. And I often think it's almost as if God's testing our heart to see what will we do. Those people that talked about you, went around, running their mouths. See, here's what I know as a Jesus follower, and here's what I know as a pastor. There will be people in your life that get real close to you, and, um, and, and then they'll talk about you. I'm just talking about being a Christian. Let's just go there. They'll talk about you. They'll judge you. They'll gossip about you. And you know what? You can get angry and you can badmouth them back or you can let God handle it. And you know what I'm telling you today? God will repay you for the evil that was done to you. The evil that was done to you is what God will use to promote you. Romans 8:28. Can I read this verse to you real quick? And we know, and we know with great confidence that God who is deeply concerned about us, And we know, someone say no, that God, and we know this with great confidence, that God, who is deeply concerned about us. Let's just stop right there for a second. Can we just soak that in? God is deeply concerned with you. He's deeply concerned with you. And just like Joseph, Joseph, I mean, Joseph, he doesn't get an angel that appears in prison. God doesn't. Speak to him again. I mean, those dreams had happened a long time ago. Right? Literally. I mean, it's going to be 22, 23 years when he gets to see his father again. He was in prison for a long time. He was 17 and now he's 40. You do the math. And you thought that this thing in your life that's been going on for six months is a long time can I tell you something? That though it seems that God is silent, make no mistake, he is not absent. He is deeply concerned. Do not confuse the silence of God with the absence of God. That's a weak clap, man. Come on. Y'all going to clap, clap. That's right. We're doing this for Jesus, right? Whatever your hand finds to do. Let's do it with all our might. Yeah, there we go. He's deeply, do you hear me today? He's deeply concerned with you. And this other stuff, the spinning out of control, and you're like, oh, and you think this is the thing that's taking you out. No, 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 no. No, this is the thing that God is using to promote you. This is the very thing God is going to use to elevate you and to bless you. So don't forget that God is deeply concerned about you. And we know with great confidence The God who is deeply concerned about us, he causes all things to work together as a plan for good. For those, wait, wait, work together, yeah, as a plan, yeah, God has a plan. And his plan is for good. And his plan is for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his plan. And his purpose. And if you name the name of Jesus, you're called according to his plan. You're called according to his purpose. And so here's Joseph. And Joseph tells his brothers, it's me. And then he says, do not be afraid. I'm going to bless you. I've waited for this moment for years, I've thought about this moment. They're so afraid, and he says, don't be afraid, and he reassured them. Scripture says he reassured them with his kindness. Who was wrong to you that God is calling you to be kind to? Who was the last people, you know, the people, maybe they were even in your group, your community group, and you thought, like, they loved you, and then all of a sudden they just... Who's God calling you to go back to and be good to? Because that's what people do. Just like you and me who are facing everyday problems and situations. But people that are absolutely confident that God's with them. I don't know what your situation is. There are people here with so many different problems. So many different trials. We prayed with a friend today who's going to have surgery on Thursday. Just a few days ago found a mass in her stomach. Now, son, it's like, what? What do you do when life spins out of control? You know what you do? You remember that God desperately cares about you. I think Peter said something like this, like casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. And the one who cares for you is careful with you. What about your hopes and dreams? Gods are so much higher and greater. When we come to a place to surrender, you know what happens? What happens? God brings it back end to end because he is end to end. He is the alpha and he is the omega and he's everything in between. He always has been and he always will be. That's who he is. And the rest of the story goes something like this. And Joseph said, go get your dad, bring all your family, 70 and all. And I'm going to put you in the land of Egypt in Goshen. It was the best area And he put them all there. He said, I'm going to take care of you. Jacob's getting old. He told his sons before he died, he said, swear to me, you will not bury me in Egypt. Take me back so I can be buried with my relatives. And so not only did Egypt all mourn for 30 days when Jacob died, but then then there's this processional with Pharaoh's best of the best. And they're going to 500 miles to bury him in a cave. That Abraham had bought from the Hittites. And now all of a sudden. When Joseph could have snapped his finger. And buried his brothers. While he was burying his father. He didn't do it. His brothers are wigged out. Because they're like. "Ah, Now dad's dead. He's going gonna, he's gonna, to. He, what if this was all just like. Till dad dies. And then he turns on us. And this is where I finish the series. I love this passage. I love this. Genesis 50 verses will be on the screen. 15 through 21. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and he'll pay us back for all the wrong that we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph before your father died. Not our father. It's back to your father. Before your father died. But they're trying to bring father between them. It's manipulation. Manipulation said he instructed us to say to you please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly so we the servants of God of your father beg you to forgive our sin when Joseph received the message he, wrote, he broke down and wept then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph look They said, we are your slaves. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Listen to this. Am I God that I can punish you? He's second in command. He can do whatever he wants, but he says, am I God that I can punish you? Watch this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. What? What? God, in, no, no, no! You can't bring God into this, Joseph. Your life was like this. He says, no, "No, no, I know." Like you, you, you sold me. That's what you did. But God sent me, and you intended it for evil. But God, God, not me. God meant it for good. All of it for good. He brought me to this position. So that I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. The title of the message today was, you know better than I. Can I tell you that God knows better than we know? That God knows how to work it all together. And we know with great confidence that God, who cares about us greatly, deeply, knows how right now, whatever it is, you're you're like, I can't get a job. My, My goodness, why can't I get a job? I've been trying for months. Why can't I have a baby? I've been trying for years. Why can't I get a wife? Why can't I get along? Why can't I get my husband to love me? I don't, I don't know what it is. Why, why can't I get this business up off the ground? I don't know where you're at today, but what I do know is that God is excellent, and he's an expert. He's an excellent expert at taking all the stuff and putting it and working it together for our good. And we know. Do you know today? Are you confident today? I mean, what would someone like Joseph do in this moment? What would he do? When his dad's dead, he would do what anyone else would do that was confident that God was with him. See, here's what I know. No matter what your past looks like, acknowledge that God was there with you. Until you, number one, acknowledge that God was with you. Though he was silent, he wasn't absent. You got to get there. Stop talking about how bad it was and start talking about that he was with you. That he never left you. That he wiped every tear and he's got your name tattooed on the back of his hand. And if his eye is on a sparrow, you think he's going to forget about you? You think he's going to ignore your prayers? Maybe, just maybe, God has a plan and a purpose. And you, you know better than I. You see, when we watch God's plan work together for our good... We realize it was his plan. We say, God, you know better than I. Your plan was better than mine. I wanted it here, but maybe I couldn't handle it here. Maybe I couldn't handle it here. I've known couples that have prayed for babies. The truth is their marriage wasn't in a place to receive a baby. And that baby, I've known couples struggling with their marriage, and they think, we'll just have a baby. That'll make it all better. Then they have a baby, and it just expedites it. So maybe God was like, well, hang, hang on, we're going to get the marriage thing, and then we're going to do the thing. I, I've known other people that they're like, man, I just, I just I want a girlfriend so bad, man. I just want a wife so bad, but they weren't ready to be the husband they should be. So God had to work on them a little bit. God had to work on her a little bit so she wouldn't push away the right one when God sent them. Are you with me? God has a plan, and sometimes God has to change us before God gives us what we want because he knows we can't handle it. And, and not now isn't a never. You need to hear this today. Someone here today, this is your word. You've been stuck in the not now. But I declare to you today that if it is not all good, it's not over. Because God knows how to work it all together for good. If it is not all well in your life, God is not through with you. Don't you dare quit. You're still in the pit. Maybe you're in the prison, but God's dreaming of the palace. And God has this plan and the things that were used to kiss you. God was actually saying, yeah, I'm going to use that as ammunition for them. I'm going to use that to launch them is what I'm going to do. Whenever you go through a hard time, number one, you recognize that God was there. Number one. Number two, when God brings you up, don't play God. Give God the glory. God knows so much better than we do. There's a movie came out in 2000, um, Joseph, King of Dreams. I think it would be an appropriate way to end this series. So it was in 2000, and it's animated. But this song is so powerful, and we're going to retell the story from this. Would you look at the screens? Hmm. Beautiful. When in doubt, trust God to work it out. When in doubt, trust God to work it out. Would you say that with me? When in doubt, trust God to work it out. One more time. When in doubt, trust God to work it out. Now everybody, Navarre, come on. Everybody, everybody in Blackwater, everyone here in Gulf Breeze, because this is the sticky statement. God is wanting to stick in your heart, and your mind, and your soul. You're not going to remember all of that message. You're going to remember this line, and it's going to help you for years to come. When in doubt, trust God. One more time. When in doubt, trust God to work it out. I get it. There are people here today, and that's really the struggle. And the struggle is real. It's about trust. Can I tell you? You can trust him. We started this the first Sunday in January, I believe it was the sixth, sixth. Um, and I want to end it the way we started it. That's just with giving people an opportunity to come pray. So wherever you are right now, wherever you are, whatever campus, if you felt God spoke to you today. There's an area that you're dealing with. You know, maybe it's trusting God. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiveness. Ephesians four thirty two says, "And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you." See, that's the beauty of the gospel: is that Joseph illustrated what Jesus would later do for us, because we were sinners who deserved punishment for our actions. Jesus gave us what we didn't deserve and he didn't give us what we did deserve. He did exactly what Joseph did. So I just want to open this up wherever you are. Right now on the count of three don't wait. You don't have to wait. Wherever you are if you need to come pray there's something you just maybe need to surrender. Maybe you've been doing this Christian thing on your own been living your own. Maybe trying to really fight for your dreams and you just need to surrender so you can receive his dream because his dream is so much higher than your dream. Whatever it is maybe it's a forgiveness thing wherever whatever it is on the count of three I want to invite you to come and pray right here at the front on the count of three one, two, three right now wherever wherever you are just slip out you're right in the middle of a road that's okay just slip out man I, I wouldn't let the inconvenience of having to walk by a few people keep you from this moment with Jesus I oh. wouldn't let what do other people think of me I wouldn't wouldn't even allow that that's all from the devil I believe with all my heart there are people that you're struggling because the truth is you feel like God hasn't and God should have and God didn't and it's a it's a battle and the enemy's trying to get you to bat to battle he's trying to get you to lose and what's at stake is your trust in God and the lie that he's trying to put right in your wound is that God is not good God is not good, and that's that's the message he sent to you. Maybe you just need to come forward and say, you know what? We're just going to sever that lie. We're going to cut it off at the head. We're going to reject that because even though I'm going through it, even though it seems right now that God is silent in my life, I know he's not absent, and I know he's good. If you're still in Navarre. The there's time. You come forward and pray. If you're here in Gulf Breeze, there's still time. You slip out of your seat come forward and pray That's a real holy moment and then for other people today if if you don't know the good news can i tell you the good news this whole story of joseph really illustrated like i said earlier the story of jesus that jesus was the one that was wronged. it was our sins that he died for he didn't do anything wrong he stayed on the high road literally when his back was against the cross he did not start finger pointing and blame shifting instead he just kept doing what anyone would do that was confident that God was with him he kept praying, he kept trusting he kept depending on his father he even prayed father forgive them, they don't know what they do he cried out and he said it's finished and what he was saying is the price was now paid once for everyone in full so that our sins your sins, my sins the very thing that separates us from God those sins could be forgiven we could be brought back into relationship with Jesus religion will never get you to heaven religion is man's attempt to deal with his guilt man's attempt deal with our guilt what we need is a relationship with jesus and jesus loves you he came for you he died for you before you and i were ever even born jesus came and he paid the price for your sins the scripture tells us that if we will confess with our mouth that jesus is lord and if we will believe in our heart romans ten thirteen, if we'll believe in our heart that God raised them from the dead we will be saved that word saved means forgiven that word saved means made brand new and if you're here today if you're watching online you're in Navarre you're at Blackwater campus and you're saying you know what I've never done this I've tried it in my own strength my own power I've I've tried to be religious enough good enough but you've realized that that is, is, is not working for you can I tell you about the one who Paid the price. That was Jesus. Are you ready to put your faith and trust in Him? And if you are, then I want to lead us in this prayer. We'll pray it out loud. We'll pray it together because some people will pray it for the first time. You can just repeat after me with heads bowed and eyes closed. You're not going to pray to me. We're going to pray to God. I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. Would you say, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. And today I'm aware of my sin but even gr- even better I'm aware of your love I feel your love and I receive your love I declare that Jesus is Lord and I believe that you died for me and I believe you rose again I give you my life I receive your life Now teach me how to live In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that today, yeah, we can clap. If you pray that today for the first time, guys, if y'all just wait. Wait, 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 down front. Wait just a minute. This is a holy moment. Stay right where you're at. If you stay where you're at, please don't move. Let me be clear. If you just prayed that prayer and gave your life to Jesus, wherever you are, because there may be people down front, I don't want any distraction. You may be sitting in your chair. You may be watching online, wherever you are please let us know if you're at one of the gatherings you can let us know by raising your hand we want to give you a gift to help disciple you to help teach you about jesus on the count of three i want you to raise it up high one two three right now hold it up high that's right hold it up hold it up high i see you man i see you on the front row come on yes who else who else anybody else raise your hand up navar that's right hold it up Hold it up. Blackwater, hold it up. We celebrate you today, man. Jesus has made you new. And Jesus will teach you how to live.